you know, thinking about this and what I want to talk about today brought me back to when I was a kid. I think I was under 10 years old. My family and I did a road trip to Yellowstone. Anyone gone to Yellowstone? You know, and so, isn't that where Yogi Bear or something like that is from? Yogi Bear? We went to Yellowstone. We did this long old road trip, starting at, stopping at campgrounds on the way. But there's one thing I totally remember is we went to a cave. Have you guys ever been to big caves like this? We went to a cave where we walked into this cave and there was all these, I don't know, scalagtites, scalagmites, things are growing up and down and whatever they're all called. But I remember it was awesome. And, but here's the part that I remember the most. There was a time when the guy said, the tour guide said, okay, now everyone just stay where you are and we're turning out the lights. And they hit the lights and it was so dark as a little kid, it was crazy. Like you could not see your hands in front of your face. And then the guy said, and there's no light that gets here, which means you could be here for a year and your eyes won't adjust. It would be pitch dark still. And I'm like, man, this is crazy. So I remember when we left that cave, how bright the light shined. Like when we walked out of the cave, it was kind of bright. Then the tour guide went on to tell us about these guys. I don't know if they're the ones that discovered the cave. I can't remember. But I remember that they got stuck down there and all their lights went out, and they were down there in pitch dark for like a couple weeks. And when they came out of that, they couldn't just like walk out of the cave, right, and look into the sun. Yay! I mean, their like heads would have blown off or something like that. I mean, he said something like that. I don't remember exactly what he said. I think he might have said they can go blind or something, but it took a long time that they would have to have their eyes covered up and get acclimated again to the light. I mean, light's powerful. Light's powerful, especially when we're coming out of darkness. In a lot of ways, I bring that up because it's kind of been the experience of my Christian life. I mean, I lived in darkness and I had this darkness. When you come into this light, begin to understand the light. It takes a while sometimes for your eyes to adjust. And one of those journeys for me has been this journey with grace. This journey with grace. I know grace is a word that we've talked about, I've talked about my whole life as a Christian. But the real light of grace, the real power of grace, I can say, has been a journey and as my eyes have been opened more and more to it, it's had some, man, amazing realities have become clear. Some pretty heavy burdens have been lifted off. I mean, burdens that I carried since I've been going to church, you know, that's been lifted off by grace and it's empowered me. It's empowered me towards a more Christ-like focus in my life. Grace is amazing. What is exposed in the light of grace? can change us and transform us. And the darkness can slowly kind of start fading away. That's why Jesus Christ came. Matter of fact, in John chapter one, verse nine, it says that the true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. The true light, that which was gonna bring light, brightness, was gonna shine on something, was gonna illuminate something, was gonna help something become more clear. And I realize the light's not always easy to see, right? It's not always easy, but it's there. And Christ came. He came to shine by his birth, by his life, through his teaching, through his death, and ultimately by his resurrection to give us light. I love what John goes on to say in John 1, down in verse 16. He says, from the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. So the light's coming, they're gonna shine his light and from the fullness of that grace, it's gonna be one blessing after another, after another, after another. For the law was given through Moses' grace and truth 
came through Jesus Christ. I love that. That Jesus came to bring light, to bring truth in the fullness of his grace so that we might receive blessing. Blessing over and over and over again. Grace and truth has come to light through Christ and we're blessed because of it. So what is this grace and truth made more clear? What is he What has he made more clear? What has he helped us to see more? What has he brought light to? Because it's kind of interesting when I think about it. I don't look at the light. I want to look at what the light shows me, right? I want to look at what the light shows me. What does the light show me? And as we move towards Easter, that's what we're going to be taking a look at. But I want to start off today by just looking at four things. Four things as I thought about this that really comes to my mind that has had a huge impact on my heart and the way that I see things. And maybe it will be a blessing and help you as well. And here's the first thing. The first thing is this, is that grace and truth through Jesus brought to light that God is love. Grace and truth through Jesus brought to light that God is love. And I wanna, maybe you're one like me that has struggled with how you see God. <laughs> you know, it's like over the years, you've struggled with who is God Do I even believe in God and how am I supposed to see this? Maybe it's because of what you've read. Maybe even things you've read in the Bible and over the years. Or maybe it's because you look at the world around you. As you look at everything going on in the world around you, it makes you kind of go like, who's God and is there even a God? Maybe it comes from your family and your background and the church you grew up or didn't grow up in. Whatever it might be that you wrestle with and you struggle with God and who is he? And what you're supposed to believe, or even if you believe at all. Well, Jesus came to bring light. He came to bring light to all of mankind. He came to bless us with grace and truth. And look what he says in John 1, 18, as we continue in that. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. There could be so many different reasons why we might struggle with what we believe about God or if we believe about God. But I just want to encourage you. I want to encourage you that I believe that is the grace and truth that Jesus came to bring through the power of the Holy Spirit that will bring to light who God is. And we can look at Jesus and we can see God. And we can kind of rest in that. And we can kind of focus on that. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 20, he said, We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding. I love that. He's given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Jesus came to give us understanding, to give us understanding that we may know God. He came that he may illuminate and bring to light God so that we can see him more clearly. I believe Jesus came in a time and in a world that their view of God had to be clarified and had to have a deeper understanding because our view of God can get so messed up by us humans, right, and by religion. It can just get so muddied and it gets so hard to see God. And I've kind of come to the conclusion, in my own heart, in my own mind, I've come to the conclusion that if it doesn't look like Jesus, 
If it doesn't look like Jesus, I just kind of think that the possibility that it's a little bit messed up and muddied by people, by us, by religion, by so many things. And when I struggle with that, I can turn my heart back to Jesus and just rest on him being the picture of God that he came to bring to light. And that is his grace. That is a gift. Jesus was a gift by God so that we can more powerfully and clearly see God through his life, through his death, through his sacrifice, through the things he taught, through who he was. I love Hebrews chapter one. In Hebrews one, it says, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. How awesome is that, right? The radiance of his glory, the exact representation of his being. Last week, we finished 1 John. And I just want to encourage you, if you have not listened to that series, I think both Scott and I were very excited about what came out in that series. Go back, it's all online, you can watch it. But it's kind of interesting because at the end of 1 John, it closes so abruptly. Here's how John closes uh, 1 John. He says this, dear children, keep yourself from idols, done. And it's just kind of an interesting ending, right? I was in a men's group and we were discussing First John. He goes, I think the ending's just weird. Like, did John all of a sudden have to go to the bathroom? Something came on Netflix. Like something happened that all of a sudden he goes, keep yourself from idols. And he just forgot to finish it. I mean, it's one of those things that's kind of funny, but it could seem confusing, but it's really not because it was that previous verse where he said, Jesus came to give us understanding of God. And then he says, Keep yourself from idols. What's an idol? An idol is a false image of God. And I think what the writer John was saying is that Jesus is the one that gives us the clearest picture and watch out from seeing God outside of what Jesus shows us. That's pretty awesome. And what does Jesus show us over and over again? That God is love. God's a lot of other things too, I get it. But what Jesus showed us, what Jesus began to become clear is that what made clear is that God is love. So that's the first thing. The second thing is this, that really stands out to me is that grace and truth through Jesus brings to light that we could be set free from what holds us captive and blinds us from seeing the love of God. We could be set free from what holds us captive and what blinds us from seeing the love of God, which is what blinds us from this sin, darkness, lies, the devil, or these accusations and condemnation, the fear of death. These things hold us captive. They hold us captive from being able to really see and know the love of God. And I want to tell you in my upbringing, especially since when I became a Christian, that wasn't that clear to me. That's not what seemed like was the focus. What seemed like the focus was to me is that I needed to see God as potentially being disappointed in me, that he's looking down on me and he might even be angry at me because of my sin and because of my disobedience and my rebellion and going my own way. The focus for many years for me was on this idea that I might be punished by God for my sins or at least he will turn his back on me and walk away from me and cannot be in my presence if I continue to do these things. But as grace has become brighter, as it's been lighting, lightening up more and more in my heart, in my mind, I've come to realize that through Christ, yes, I believe deeply that sin is terrible and destructive and blinding. 
But in and through Christ, God has never turned his back on me. He's never turned his back on me, but continues to walk alongside me and always faces me and invites me to experience hope and forgiveness and love in and through him. That became life-changing for me. We used to always sit there and, you know, you can have the idea where, you know, I'm facing God and when I turn away, he turns away. And then we had the thing where I turn away, God just stands there, right? He's right there with me. And when I turn back, he's right with me, right? And I love that. But then it's even become crazier. When I turn away, it's like God runs around. That's what I've found. That's been my experience, right? He continues to invite me back. He's not waiting. He's not even like he's waiting. He just goes around. Just look at my love. I'm right here with you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'm right here. Where can you go in my presence? You haven't gone anywhere. I'm right there. And he keeps going around. As I turn around, he keeps coming back. And when I started looking through the Old Testament, it's like you see God always coming. God always redeeming. God always calling back to himself. It's beautiful. And it's powerful. But it's not always that easy of a journey out of that darkness, right? And into the light of grace and truth. It could be a struggle. About a week ago, I was talking to my sister and I asked if I could talk to, her about, talk to you guys about this. She said, yeah. My sister, she's about three years older than me. Um, two years ago, uh, for the first time in, oh, I don't know, 40 years, something like that, she went to a 40-day in-house rehab to get clean from opioids and alcohol for the first time in years. And she has found freedom and she has gotten herself sober and clean over two years. And it's been this crazy journey. And my sister is this wonderful, godly, beautiful person. And she was one of those functioning people, right? And definitely dysfunctional at the same time. But she went and she made this huge change. And I'm talking about this uh, to her, about this idea of, you know, Christ and seeing God and coming out of the darkness and realizing that you're blinded. And she made a comment I might never forget. She said this, it was hard to see the brightness of the light when I spent so much time in the darkness. My eyes needed time to adjust. You see, she was told how much guilt and shame she should have. That's what she felt. Whether she was really told that or just felt that from years of going to church and years of knowing what she's doing is wrong, she felt that God demanded her to make up for the wrongs that she's done because she has disobeyed and disappointed him. And coming to the light of Christ, that God forgives her, walks beside her, even empathizes with her weaknesses, was so difficult for her to accept and fully trust. I'm telling you, we have had 10, 15 years of discussions about this. And the darkness was so difficult for her to accept. And she's beginning to see it. She's beginning to see it more than ever before. And for many of us, the problem is that we've been taught that God's the one that opposes us. That he's the one that turns his back on us. But I just want to tell you, it's sin and darkness. It's the lies and the accusations that are holding us captive. They hold us captive and they oppose us. And Jesus came to bring to light that God's right there. That he's right there. That he is love. And he's calling us to himself. I love 2 Corinthians 4. It says that the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. They can't see the things of this world, the ways of this world, my own hearts. It's all this stuff has blinded us that we can't see the glory of Christ who is in the image of God. 
And then he goes on to say this, but for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, at Genesis chapter one, right? He made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. How beautiful is that? Though we were blinded, Christ came to bring to light in our hearts and minds the glory, the value, the beauty, the wonder, the amazing reality of who God is. And where do you see it? In the face of Christ. And my sister is now on this journey. I've seen God more clearly than ever before because she's looking at Jesus. And she's trusting that the darkness that held her captive, he's walking right alongside her. He experienced it. He was tempted by it. And he took on death and he conquered to show that he loves her, he forgives her, and to come and walk. She's finding permission to believe and to live today that she's free in Christ, that he loves her, that she has nothing to make up. And you know what's the biggest thing is that God's back was never turned on her because she has felt for 30 years it probably was. She has the freedom to live and not to fear. In 1 John 4, it's just such a powerful passage. Therefore, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. How beautiful is that? That we overcome that which holds us captive by our faith and trust in Christ, that he loves us and it can drive out the fear and the blindness We don't have to fear that we're going to be punished. Instead, we get to experience the joy that we are loved by God through Christ. And even in our darkest moments, even in our darkest moments, because I think that's when the Father's love shines the brightest. Any parents out there? See, you raise a hand if you're a parent, right? Do you ever... You ever remember the time when you had a kid that began going the wrong way or whatever it was and what came out of you? That was the deepest experience of love, wasn't it? That's the deepest experience of longing for them to come back, to see things in a clearer way. You wanted them just to trust you. You wanted to love them. You wanted to protect them. You wanted, man, it's like, you know, they didn't walk away. You go, fine, I'm out. You know, usually when we get that way, it's because the love is so strong and so painful that finally we have to walk away in some way, right? The reality is it's in that dark moments. I, as a father, probably learned about the heart of God more than ever because that's when my heart just was breaking and loving and desiring them to see that love for them. Hmm. So that's number two, what he sets us free from. And that kind of brings up number three, that the grace and truth through Jesus brings to light that we are in proper alignment with God. We have eternal life. We are in proper alignment with God. So not only is he setting us free or overcoming that darkness and the lies and sin and death that can consume us, but we also get to believe that there is new life, true life, eternal life in and through Christ. And what is eternal life? And we talk about having eternal life. What is it? That's a question. What do you think eternal life's gonna be like? I think it's gonna be like right now here, at least initially, because John 17, three, look what Jesus says. He says, now this is eternal life. I love when God kind of makes it real easy for my simple brain. Like what is eternal life? Well, this is eternal life. 
that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Eternal life is knowing God through Christ. And that is what eternal life is. And for us that know God through Christ, that's where we now stand. We have received eternal life. We're experiencing eternal life now and forevermore. Eternal life is not just about after we die. It's about right here and right now. Of one of the disservices I think that, you know, a lot of the Western church has done for a lot of years. It's just gotten us to sit there and go, oh, we're going to get there. And once we get there, then, and he kind of give us this white knuckling, like, just hang on. Don't worry. Someday you'll be out of here. And it's got us to really struggle with seeing the life that Christ has empowered us into right now. Jesus said, man, when you trust in me, I and my Father come and dwell in you. The Holy Spirit is in us. We got the fullness of God dwelling in us to help us to see and bring to light this life here and now that we have in him. And I think we can grow in that because that eternal life gives us permission right here and now to trust that God is in us, living through us, and that he's got that ever after, forevermore thing covered. And we'll find out and discover that when we get there. But he's got something now. And he wants to help us see things now. Romans chapter 5 says, look, look at this verse. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus. Right here and right now. And look what he goes on to say. Through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. That gift, that grace, eternal life, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. This is huge. Knowing that we are in proper alignment and at peace with God through Jesus Christ and to live in light of that knowledge should change our perspective and how we see things right here and right now. We should see life today as eternal life, Christ reigning in us. And we should begin to live life in the kingdom of God here and now. In Colossians 1, he says this. It says, um, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, that which held us captive, that which blinded us, and he has brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. That is where we are now in the kingdom of the son he loves. Through Christ's rule and reign in and through the spirit that is within us. You have permission to live today and not worry about tomorrow. I kept thinking about that verse, right? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all its righteousness. All else will be added unto you. And don't worry about tomorrow. There's enough worries in today, but let the kingdom rule and reign in and through you now to face whatever comes your way with the beautiful knowledge that you are good with God, loved by Jesus Christ and empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus brought to light. And I love Ephesians 5.14. He just says this real simple, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Wake up, rise, and let Christ shine on you and through you. You don't have to go around life just feeling like, I know I'm not perfect yet. I'm, you know, I know I need to get better. God's not done with me yet. I got so much more that God wants to do. I'm still a work in progress. Okay, I get all that. I realize all that. But you know what? We've just kind of spoken that into each other's lives. I think we feel like we have to. 
I, I, I do counseling a lot. I meet with people and I love when I meet with a couple, lives are falling apart, whatever. And they come in and either she or, or the guy starts saying something. They go, no, I'm not saying I'm perfect and I have to stop them. Oh, I'm so glad you clarified that because I was thinking you're perfect. You, but I think that we have to like say that or it's not Christian, right? Like if I actually sit there and think that, you know what? I kind of like who I am, who God's made me and what I'm about. I like this, the relationships and the way God has changed the way I see things instead of just looking at the things, it's how I see things that are changing. Right? I don't have to sit there and just have this negative, constant idea that I'm just like, oh, I'm just not good enough. I get it. I'm just not perfect. You're in Christ. Let his life shine on you. Take a deep breath. And stop needing to say and believe I'm totally depraved kind of mindset. Instead, begin to believe that you are a child of God, redeemed and loved through Christ. And let his truth and grace rule and reign in your heart and life. And begin to see that and walk in that. It can change your life. It can change your life. And Christ brings out the light. And here's the final thing. The final thing is that grace and truth through Jesus brings to light that loving is an invitation to more fully know and experience the heart of God in unity with each other. It's an invitation to life. It's an invitation to experience that eternal life, which is knowing and experiencing the heart of God. That is eternal life and the unity that we have together. It's an invitation. Almost every week we talk about loving each other and almost every week we talk about this idea that it's not some law to follow to appease God because we don't have to appease God. It's an invitation. It's an invitation to life, the life of God, the life of unity, and it's not a burden. It's beautiful. We are so much more connected than we know. So much more connected, not just with you and your close family, but this community, but the community around the world and the community from time past and time and future. Through the power of the Spirit, we are connected, we are unified. And as we love one another, we experience that and we see that and we know God more clearly. 1 John 4.12 says this idea that no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. It's an invitation to that knowledge. It's an invitation to that, no, that life. If we see the command to love others just as a burden that I have to do, some rule that I have to follow, then we're looking at it all wrong. We should see loving others as eternal life giving to me because as I love others, I see and know God more and an invitation to eternal life for others. As I love them, they see God. That's how she would see it. It's an invitation to life. For it's through love that we experience God and we find unity. And that brings praise to God. That is us coming together and bringing praise to God. Look at Romans 15. This, this passage has always got me. And may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ. Okay, as we follow Christ, unity amongst ourselves. And then he goes on and says this so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God. See, it's about us glorifying God. Man, we've made the salvation like so 
personal and intimate, just me. It's really us and God, right? And as we love each other, as we experience God and, and love one another, we are with our mouth, with our hearts, with our lives, glorifying the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says it again, accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. So we get to know God and we shine God and we are springing praises to God as we walk and follow Jesus. And Jesus over and over again made it so clear, so simple of what it would look like to follow him. He definitely talks about and shows what it's not, right? Following Jesus is not seeking power. It's not judging and pointing fingers at others unless we're pointing at the religious leaders, right? When it came to sinners and those broken, no finger pointing. It's not through violence. He made that clear. It's not by violence. It's not through greed. It's not by just fighting at anything to get what I want. How did Jesus show us to live? What did he put on display? Well, John 13, 34 and many other passages, he says, the new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. What makes it new? What makes it new? The reason I ask that is because we're going to see that God being love and, and God as love and God loving was from the beginning. We see it all through the Bible. What made it new is that Christ gave the clearest example through his life and by his death of what it looks like. Through grace, he taught love. Through his life, he showed love. And he laid down his life for love. He put it on display he wanted to make it clear that this is what it looks like. And there's this crazy reality that this is the reality. This is the reality of God from the beginning. This is who God was from the beginning. And no doubt over the years up to that point and continuing today, that man's sins, power and greed, hatred, disunity and division, and these religious authoritarian rules have made seeing God pretty difficult. Not impossible, but difficult. And Jesus came in grace and truth, a gift to shine a light on all mankind that we may see God, the God that was from the beginning. In 2 Timothy 1, I, I love 2 Timothy 1, 9, he says this, his grace was given us in Christ before the beginning of time. I mean, this is God. From the beginning, this is God. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. He just brought it to light. He made it even clearer. Who has destroyed death, that which held us back, that which blinds us, that which we were held captive by, and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. That's what Jesus came to bring to light. We're going to begin this journey towards Easter. Every week over the next few weeks and during this journey, we are going to consider the story of grace and truth. From the beginning of let light shine out of darkness to where finally on April 21st, when we're going to come together and we're going to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's a story where this overarching narrative of the whole Bible, how beautiful it is and how packed with grace and love and truth it is. Especially because we have the privilege 
of looking at this narrative, this story, through the light of Jesus Christ, right? That's what we get the privilege to do. And so I want to encourage you, come the next, what is it, five weeks, bring people. Tell them, we're going to look at this overarching view of the scriptures and of like just creation and maybe it would just be a light to them and don't hesitate to bring someone. And let's journey together towards Easter to just really then make a kind of an explanation point on his death and his resurrection and how that just ties it all together. I'm so excited over the next few weeks and I hope you are too. And I hope to see you next week as we kind of start the story, this overarching narrative that you see in the scripture of grace, truth, and the love of God. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for sending Jesus this grace, this gift to us to bring light. You, God, became man. You became human. You took on flesh so that you can show us who you are. And I know that seeing you can be difficult through all of our darkness and through all of the different things that that just can muddy the waters and, and help us not see clearly. But I just pray that we would see that grace and truth shows us that Jesus is the best example, that we look to him and we see you that he has set us free from that which holds us captive from seeing that, the darkness, the sin, the destruction, death, the fear of death that holds us from being able to see you. He is brought to light so that we can be set free from those things and see the life that we have in and through him, eternal life here and now as we know the Father, you through the Son, Jesus. And may we see love as an invitation, living out this life of Christ, following the way of Christ and unity with each other as we love and accept and forgive one another as we put up with each other and continue to walk together. May we see you more clearly together because this is about us seeing you, not just me. And that we would see that unity and that we would get a clearer picture of who you are and the world around us and the people around us and the friends around us would see that picture clearly as well. So that your kingdom would come and your would be done in and through our lives as is being done in heaven. For your glory and your honor and praise. Shine brightly over these next few weeks. Help us to see you. For your glory and honor, in Jesus' name, amen.